Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. More than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Welcome to Markham Baptist Church. The building's closed, but the church is alive. I'm glad you're joining us for this time together. May God bless you as you watch. The past couple of weeks, again, has been uh, different for all of us. For some, it's been easier than for others. Uh, for young parents not able to send their children off to school or daycare, uh, it has been a real workout. For some teenagers who are not at school and not having to do a lot of projects or plan for exams or tests, uh, it certainly doesn't feel to them like the end of the world, but not being with friends has been somewhat of an apocalyptic moment for them. And uh, others who simply enjoy being or working at home, doing various projects and learning skills, it hasn't been that difficult or even different for them. I'm wondering this week how different this sense of isolation really is though. I mean, how close, how connected did you feel before COVID-19 to your family members, to your colleagues, to your friends, and to your neighbors? I was talking to a mom the other day who was saying actually how wonderful it seemed to her that everyone in the family was home all at once and they were enjoying the fact that they were sitting down to more than one meal a day together, that um, being quarantined together, they were enjoying the fact that sometimes they were playing games and having conversations that lasted longer than a moment or two as one or the other was heading out of the door on their way somewhere else. We are grieving the reality that is, though, with the coronavirus. It's dangerous, and for many, it has been deadly. At the same time, many of the restrictions that have put us in our place or locked us down or isolated us have brought a re-examination to uh, our agendas, our priorities in life. It's slowed us down. The scripture uses the word, be still, and it's certainly calming us in some ways and exciting us in others. 
we're actually forced to discover new ways of communicating, creative ways of being together, and learning how to better listen one to another. And if anything, that has been a gift. To be quarantined in the same house or the same apartment, uh, we have to face the realities of our lives, how fragile we are, and how little we really know. The letter Paul has written to the church in Rome has something to say about all of that. The letter Paul wrote to the church in Rome talks about how we can come clean with ourselves, who we are, what directs our lives, and how we live them. Many of you enjoy uh, being alone. You, you enjoy your alone time. It, it's not hard sitting with your own thoughts and reflecting on your life. But for others of you, um, you're not thriving by being locked up in the same apartment or house as another person. Uh, you really appreciate time with other people, and you're the ones having a harder time with this isolation. Left alone to our thoughts for any length of time uh, can and will take us to places that we otherwise might want to avoid. Uh, we will have to relive and reflect on experiences and conversations events in our lives that we regret having had. Many of you are worried right now, and you're alone with those thoughts, worried about your future, worried about a shrinking savings account, job cuts or uncertainty about the future, about your health or the health of family and friends. It's difficult, and, uh, and so we begin reflecting how it is we've invested our, our lives, our our time, our abilities, our money. Paul says that we can lead our lives in two, one of two different directions. Either we can live them centered on ourselves, reflecting on what looks good to us, only at times to realize that we haven't always made the best choices or the right ones. Um, sometimes we've actually hurt others and ourselves. We don't always feel great about those choices, Paul tells us, though, that there is another option. We can make decisions not based on our own best efforts and decisions and wants, but we can base them on an invitation of Jesus Christ who invites us to let him lead our lives. Paul says in verse 6 of Romans chapter 8, to set the mind on the flesh, in other words, centered on our wants and needs, our ways of thinking, is death. But to set the mind on the spirit of God is life and peace. When he talks about death, he's saying more than just physical death. He's talking about eternal separation from God. And when he talks about peace, well, that's something that we're all yearning for right now. That reassurance that our lives matter, that our loved ones will be okay. Paul points out that these are the two ways that we can go through life. Either we don't care about seeking the opinion or the will or desire of God, his strength for our lives, his love for others, his wisdom, or we can seek God's leading. A little girl who was on her way home with her parents from church one day had some questions for her mom. She said, can I ask you 
something about what the minister said. He said that God is bigger than we are. Is that true? Her mom said, well, yes. And then she said, well, he also said that God lives within us. Is that true? Her mom again said, yes, it is. Little girl looked back and said, so if God's bigger than us, and if God lives in us, then wouldn't God show through? Paul is saying that if we choose to let God's Spirit guide our thoughts and our actions, then people are bound to notice God is going to show through. The Spirit of God is going to show up. Galatians chapter 5 is a great verse for talking about the results of how the Spirit living in us shows itself to the world around and shows itself in our own character. It says the fruit of the Spirit, or in other words, the results of the Spirit, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. The Spirit strengthens these traits in us. And yet so many times every one of us will struggle with these particular expressions of God in us. So what then? What do we do with our our wants and our failings? Paul knew what it's like to mess up, not only before he knew Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, but even after he had Christ in his life leading him. Paul is clear about his ongoing struggle. In Romans chapter 7, just a chapter before the one we're reading today, Paul says this in verse 19, I want to do what's good, but I don't do it. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. We can all relate. We know what that's like. So where does it leave all of us? Remember the question we talked about earlier? The question about carrying a sense of regret with us when we are left alone with our thoughts? Well, even with Christ in us, we will still have times of messing up, still have regrets to live with. It's hard to live with ourselves sometimes. It's not always a good feeling. And yet then comes this incredible sentence from Paul, and maybe if anything else is remembered today in this talk, it will be this first verse in chapter 8 of Romans. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Not sometime in the distant future. Not when we've got it all together. But Paul says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are living in the power and presence of Jesus. In other words, Jesus is willing to restore our lives now. He's eager to welcome us into the family now. He wants to embrace us with his loving arms today. According to Paul, that's exactly why Jesus came not to show us how we might merit God's favor, and not for us to somehow, on our own efforts, satisfy some sense of justice. But Jesus came to show us through the cross just how much God 
already loves us and how he shows his love to us, that it's more powerful than anything. God's love is more powerful than our sins. God's love is more powerful than the threat of death or the threat of the coronavirus. God's love is certainly more power than the sense that we carry deep within us of not being good enough or feeling condemned. If you talk to anyone long enough, sooner or later, they will come back to that sense of just not being worthy. I hope you hear Paul's great announcement, his amazing pronouncement. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To hear that, no matter what we've done in the past, no matter what we have previously believed or thought, God is not angry with us. God loves us and forgives us and accepts us. And God sets us free to live a life that would be unavailable to us if we were limited only by our own efforts. God sets us free to live a life of meaning and purpose, of grace and deep gratitude. I invite you in this moment just to turn the, uh, the video to pause while you go get a piece of paper and a pencil. And when you come back, turn it back on, and I have a question for you to answer. Here's the thing I want you to do now that you have your paper and pencil ready. I want you to write down the one thing that you regret from the past. One thing that has stolen your energy, that robs you or threatens you with that sense of being not good enough. Take a moment and write that down right now. And after you have, take that piece of paper, hold it in your hands, and crumple it up, and go to the garbage pail and throw it away. Because as you do that, I hope you'll also remember, if not say the words out loud with me, that uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. John 3.16 is a passage that every child growing up in Sunday school memorizes. For God so loved the world. But the next verse, verse 17, is just as powerful. And here's what verse 17 says. Christ came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. When you and I turn our lives over to God and accept what Christ has already done for us, our future, beginning in this very moment, is not shaped by guilt, but it's encouraged through the gift of mercy. Our lives and our future from this moment on are not led by disappointment, but by God's promises. And they're not anchored in what we have done wrong, but in what God has done right. Hanging beside a front door of a house in one neighborhood is a plaque that says this. It's a question, really. Tell me, what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Tell me, what is it you will do 
with this one wild and precious life. If you're up to it, I'd invite you to write down one more thing. That one more thing is this. What do you now feel freed to do since you no longer live under the threat of condemnation or inadequacy? What is it that you're freed up to do because of Christ living in you? Write that down and hold on to it for a moment. And think about this. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross for me, what Jesus is doing for you, what deed might you dare? What challenge might you accept? What act of generosity might you attempt, knowing that you are and always have been the beloved of God. Whether or not you succeed or fail makes little difference. In fact, it makes no difference at all. God will love you through that. Okay, so take that piece of paper you've just written down, what it is that you are freed up to do now because of Christ in you, and tuck it away in your pocket or your wallet, and keep that close to you this week as a reminder, a reminder of God's promise to use you for the sake of the world God loves so deeply. What will you do with all the love and all the grace and all the mercy that God is filling your life with? I invite you to bow with me in prayer. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come to you we come seeking from you that which we cannot find on our own. We come to you seeking a meaning deeper than anything we would have without you. And we come to you as the source of our greatest strength. Lord, today we pray for all those working on the front lines, for those in hospital, the cleaning staff, the nurses, the doctors, those in the emergency rooms and the triage. We pray for those caring for our sick and aged and elderly in nursing homes and senior centers, that you would keep them safe and protect them, that you would provide for them what's most needed. We pray for our children and for our families. We pray for every individual that today may be worried about their future or held back by something of their past that they feel has uh, limited their growth or their success in the future. Lord, give them the opportunity to receive your forgiveness and your embrace of mercy. Help them to know that the future is wide open to them because of that. And because Jesus died on the cross, they can choose to let you lead their lives from this moment forward. And that will make all the difference in the world Lord, bless us on this journey together as we approach Lent and beyond as we go toward the cross of Calvary and even to Easter. May it be a time of personal reflection in realizing that you walk daily with us and we walk in the steps of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I invite you now to listen to a song that uh, is being sung by some of our members, the Riley family.
This is my day. 